A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy, post-Spanish Grand Prix edition. And yes, I am wearing Red Bull, Tommy's wearing Ferrari. We did it in our Twitch stream as well, Matt P1 Tommy, if you haven't seen it already. And we we thought we were going to create something, didn't we, Tommy? We thought we were in the kitchen, rustling up something. What are they cooking? And what we created was nothing. Was a Max Verstappen victory. Not only that, just the most normal of normal Grand Prix, Max Verstappen winning by ages, Ferrari blundering strategy, and Yuki Tsunoda being in the points and then something going wrong. So we didn't do anything by doing this. So well done. Us. We've overestimated our powers. I think yeah. I think we need to go back to the training camp and then later <laughs> down the line, maybe we can rustle something up. Now, before we get into our post-race podcast, uh, we need to share our five-star review. We do it every single podcast. If you want yours to be read out, please leave us a five-star review. Tommy, someone actually asked me, where do you leave a five-star review? Do you know? On Apple. I don't think you can do it on Spotify, I'm afraid. Apple. Okay. You can leave us a five star on Spotify, but I don't think you can say why. Uh, this one comes in from Harry JMM from the UK. Ever since being yanked back into F1 fandom by DTS, I've yearned for a podcast that combines knowledge with relatability. I tried other podcasts with ex drivers, media personalities, journalists, and they all gave me knowledge, but none of the relatability so desperately needed. In come Matt and Tommy. Two genuine superfans with engaging personalities, encyclopedic knowledge, maybe Tommy, and regular content. I can even look past Tommy's Max fandom. Excited. To, oh, what about my Leclerc fandom? You can't look past that. Excited to be on this F1 journey with you and to see how far you guys go. Congrats on the Monaco trip. See you at a live event soon, Event soon, I hope. Yes, we will be doing another live event at some point. Don't you worry. Stay tuned to the socials or to this podcast for that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for that wonderfully detailed uh, review. Uh, now that we're feeling good about ourselves, Tommy, why don't you start with your most memorable moment? So my most memorable moment was that we finally had some strategy. All my complaining about Circuit de Barcelona, Catalonia, and I actually thought that was a decent race. Don't get me wrong, Verstappen obviously winning by an absolute mile uh, is just something that I've said before that sadly... Uh, even me is something that we're going to have to get used to because it's just we're just in that era like Hamilton was or, or Vettel was where that's expected. So if you look elsewhere in the race, there's a lot, you know, there was a lot going on in that race. And I think it was because it wasn't just a one stop. No one pitted around the same time. I think that whole race, you probably had a pit stop every lap between about lap 10 and about lap 40, 50 or something, it was seemed to be going on all the time. And uh, to me, that race was just proof that if you get more tire degradation, uh, more tire degradation, tire sorry. degradation. That yes, is a that new was, one. Uh, that's a new one. Um, 
if you have that, you have the three compounds being used, you get a lot of different strategy. And uh, for me, it wasn't a banger, but if that was a baseline of a Grand Prix of just a normal race, because let's be honest, the circuit isn't normally very good, I'd be happy with that as a normal, solid Grand Prix. So, yeah. I think it needs uh, a mindset shift in order to really enjoy races like today in the sense of we all yearn for a battle for the win. I yearn for it. Tommy does. But I think what you say there is quite crucial, Tommy, in the sense of almost accepting that we're probably not going to get a race for the win, which is what where we're at right now. This is unfortunately is what this season is bringing. Red Bull have done a better job than the rest of of the grid. I say unfortunately, I'm a big Red Bull fan, as you can see. So <laughs> fortunately, deep down. Um, so yeah, I think it was really good. And it, it almost put into reality what we've been saying on this podcast about having a mandatory two-stop race. We saw it come to fruition uh, basically, we've actually got the um, the tire graph here because I genuinely was watching the race, going, I have absolutely no idea who is going to end up where, just purely because there were there were drivers dropping to fifteenth or sixteenth, but then that's because they'd pitted a lot earlier than a, a gaggle of cars in front of them, and they're on a slightly different compound, so they might be going faster at a different stage of the race. It was so much to keep up with. Um, but not just that, there were varying strategies. You had Hamilton and Russell doing soft, medium, soft. Uh, then you had Verstappen starting on the mediums, going to the hards and then softs at the end. You had other drivers starting on the softs, then going straight to the hards for a couple of stints, which was not the right decision if you're Valtteri Bottas, um, and, and so on and so forth. So it was quite hard to keep up with, I think, in some ways, but I will take that over everyone being on the same strategy <laughs> for the entire race. Barely anyone did the same strategy looking at this graph. Not really. Um, yeah, the, this is the thing, like you say, we need to, uh, and I said before, we need to reset ourselves because if you cannot enjoy a Formula One race, if Verstappen's winning, I'm sorry, but you're not going to enjoy this year because he has uh, he's driving unbelievably well in a car that is clear of everyone else. And that is just what, Hamilton had before and we we got into that stage didn't we where we accepted that was formula 1 um so we kind of need to just go back to to that and focus on what else is going on and i think a lot went on in that race they seemed to be passing into that first turn in particular all the time drivers pitting um swapping around the order because you know perez was a great example it was like and he's going to finish P2 here. Oh, no, he's actually probably going to be about seventh. Oh, no, maybe fourth. Oh, no, he will finish second. Because strategy was changing all the time, it kept us guessing. And that, for me, uh, is what I really enjoyed about the the race. It wasn't a banger, but I think it was an enjoyable race, personally. It wasn't a banger, but I would say, you know, in the measurement scale, it was a decent Spanish Grand Prix. Yes. For Spain... Oh, here we go. Uh, I see what it is. It's this awful points. I've changed my mind. It was terrible. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, yeah, I'm not certain by any stretches it was a banger. I think that a lot of the overtakes, when you actually look on paper how many overtakes there were, I don't actually know the exact number, but I think it was over 100. Like, 
a lot of those were just very bog standard DRS overtakes, but there were some really good ones into turn one when, when just when the DRS and the slipstream and the gap between the cars was perfect so that they would go side by side into turn one. And I'm so surprised that not at least one of those moves, I think you had Gasly putting a move on there. I think you had Hulkenberg as well. There was a few different moments where it was absolutely pinpoint accurate those moves that were pulled off and if it was just slightly misjudged we've got a yellow flag we've maybe got a safety car and perhaps the complexion of the race changes uh, slightly because we didn't get a yellow flag and we didn't get a safety car the entire race <laughs> okay. we didn't get a retirement all 20 drivers finished which is uh, is quite the achievement so there's a question or a statement from Soph SCN Clearly, multiple pit stops didn't help with exciting racing. What was wrong with this race? Well, I think to put myself in your position here, Soph, I think the problem is Verstappen was winning by 25 seconds. You, you get rid of that and you have Hamilton a couple of seconds behind. I think it will maybe change the mindset that you currently have. Um, but I, I think the multiple pit stops part absolutely helped. If we had a one-stop strategy where everyone started on the mediums and then went to the hards... We wouldn't have seen, yes, the boring DRS overtakes, but we also probably wouldn't have seen the moves into turn one as much either. No, if you'd have had the the single pit stop, that race would have been bad. If you thought that race was bad, boy, how bad would it have been if it was everyone starting on the same tire pretty much and doing a one stop. Uh, for, for me, the, the different strategies, like I said, just kept the, it kept you always looking and seeing what was going on because there was, felt like someone was coming in for a pit stop almost every lap. Uh, and I think that's what, what really made the race. So, yeah, it was good. I don't agree. Sorry, Sophie. Sophie. Oh. Okay, Tommy doesn't agree. We like disagreements on this podcast. But However, all, it seems like both me and Tommy We all have different opinions of what a good race is. So. Exactly. And you're allowed to be your own human being. That's great. Right, we now move to my most memorable moment. <laughs> And I feel like it is almost every week. It's something to do with Ferrari and things going wrong. Ferrari strategy this time out, of course. Well, let's go straight into a question, actually. Ghetto Trude. Why did Ferrari put Leclerc so early, or pit Leclerc so early, I imagine that's supposed to say, when he, according to my not-so-well memory, started on hards? Also, does someone understand the Ferrari strategists? Quite, no. a, quite a large, <laughs> broad question there, but... Um, I have no idea why Ferrari pit Leclerc so so early. I, I said in funniest tweets that the reason for going on hards is that you go long into the race, and even if those hards are not great, the pace isn't great, the whole point of that is to just roll the dice, get late long into the race, maybe make up some track positions because you're staying out there and not stopping early, and then hope, and hoping for the best. Now, no safety cars happened. No yellow flags happened. So it wouldn't have worked out. However, I felt as though they just, they, they got rid of, so they basically went, ah, I will select all the disadvantages of starting on a hard tire, yeah, but not select any of the advantages you have with a hard tire by going long. Why would you not just start on softs and go on the attack Try and, and, and see where field, you can go, yeah. where, where you can get. I know he started from the pit lane, but it's still it was just a very strange strategy to do to then give give up on it so early. Like he pitted earlier than Max Verstappen and the soft runners around him as well. Yep. Yeah, he pitted 
way earlier than the likes of the the Mercedes who started on the softs. It made yes. Yeah, so Hamilton pitted on lap twenty four. Russell lap twenty three. Uh, Charles Leclerc pitted on lap sixteen. Ouch. Yeah, I know their tire wear is bad, but holy f. Um, yeah, not <laughs> not good at all. Uh, and then I've uh, we mentioned this very briefly. Uh, I think you mentioned it on Twitch. I've just seen the clip actually on TikTok uh, of Charles coming in near the end and going, "I want softs." No, pit for hards, Charles going, I want softs. And they go, okay. And then he comes in and they go, we're boxing for hards. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's time you actually put some faith in your drivers because Ferrari aren't doing good strategies on their own. So it's time to trust the drivers. How many times have we seen a Max Verstappen and a Lewis Hamilton come in and saying, I know what I need. I'm the driver. It's that because we've said many times that Leclerc is too nice. Maybe science is too nice as well. And they need to start deciding their own strategy. Charles tried to do that then, and they didn't even do it. And it makes me think that there's such a disconnect between engineer and driver here that I think is so bad going forward for Ferrari that even if they did find themselves in a championship winning car again or a great car, you need that, you know, look at Max and his engineer. They seem to just like, B is one. Same with Hamilton and and Bono and stuff. They got each other's back in everything. They trust each other. There's absolutely no trust, it seems, between Ferrari's drivers and Ferrari's uh, engineers and the people deciding the strategy. They just they just simply don't trust them, uh, and that's really really bad for a team. It certainly is. So how I understand this as well is that he would have had. A couple of new sets of softs going into this race, Leclerc, because he got knocked out in Q1. So, and I might be wrong here because I, I can't see the tire allocation for each driver, and he might have used it in practice or whatnot. But I would imagine he would at least have a, a soft softs. tire yeah. that is usable at this stage. So he was he went from lap 16 to lap 41 on a new set of soft tires. That's 25 laps. He pitted with 25 laps to go with less fuel. Like, and it's like tractors all rubbed in. It's it yeah. makes perfect sense that you would go on another set of softs. Now, again, you know, I might be corrected here and he didn't have any reasonably new softs to use, but surely Leclerc knows what's available to him and what he says and what he asks for. I completely agree with you, Tommy. It, it, it just seems to, to still be that same mentality of Ferrari and then the drivers. Like Ferrari make the decisions, oh, this, the drivers or, or deal with it. This is what the computer says. Rather all, all than that, yeah. using your brain and trusting the the person behind the wheel that's driving the car that knows, or or whatever's happened in the race, uh, it, it it's concerning because look, it, it's all banter now when it's over twelfth and it doesn't matter. But then they find themselves in that situation again where they have got a really good car. They need to be. They they can't be in those situations again where you've got a complete disconnect between the drivers. You had it literally in the last race with Science going, I don't care about Hamilton. What are you doing? How many times have we seen Ferrari drivers complain about their own strategy and not trust their own strategy compared to any other team on the grid? It is far and away the most. Uh, and something's wrong there, big time. I mean, I can't believe, I know we are talking about Ferrari here a lot, but it was a big thing that, that happened in the sense of questionable decisions. 
I can't believe he didn't score any points. He finished 12th in a Ferrari that in Carlos Ferrari. Sainz finished yeah. in P5. And there was clearly the pace there. I know Charles has had some problems over the weekend and Ferrari still couldn't seem to figure out what went wrong with it. And they've sent the, the chassis to Maranello to get investigated. But they replaced the whole thing. I can't believe he didn't score any points in a race where he didn't have any massive Shocking. incidents or anything. It was very, very strange. Anyway, moving away from Ferrari before I get too heated, although I'm a Rebel fan, so it doesn't matter. Uh, this next question is from at Rayshik. Could McLaren leave Lando at the start? It was just an end plate, so it surely wasn't worth sacrificing the whole strategy. No. this this uh, He lost a lot of of um, his front end plate. And also, let's not forget, there are some very high-speed corners at the end of this, uh, the, the lap now where you very much are dependent on a fully working car with all the bits working. Lando would have lost time hand over fist. He would have got swallowed up by the whole um, the field around him. So they, they had to just bite the bullet, change the wing and, and hope for a safety car, which is what they did. The race was ruined the minute Lando put his nose where he didn't expect Hamilton to come across. I don't think that's why he, he poked his nose there. Hamilton did come back across. Uh, and it was an unfortunate incident, but one with, with which I don't think McLaren made a mistake by bringing Lando in. I think that was for the right, the right call really. Yeah, it's, it's easy in hindsight to go, well, when he pitted, he was way at the back and had nothing to do. But I don't know. They, we'll never know. If they would have kept him out, maybe he'd have just been swallowed up by the other runners and would he have been able to keep them behind him? He probably would have just got, got breezed past like on the straight every single lap and then everyone would have been like, why aren't you pitting him? So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough, tough call, but I think his race was ruined as soon as... Uh, as soon as he hit Hamilton, which very unfortunate when you're running up in, in P3, it's a lot of points thrown away, I think. Certainly was. Um, I think Lando probably wouldn't have finished any higher than maybe seventh or eighth. Yeah. Uh, if got away, kind of maybe. Yeah. If it had not picked up any damage, I think that was probably where he would have ended up. Although Piastri was uh, ended up 13th in the end and one lap down. So maybe the pace just wasn't there uh, for McLaren in the uh, sunnier, hotter conditions, but either or I reckon, yeah, definitely at least a, a point or two was, was on the cards uh, for Lando. Uh, another question from at Gerberges. Who is to blame for the Norris versus Hamilton turn two incident? In my honest opinion, Lewis turned in Orlando. All the time you have to leave a space. Oh this my one, God. I'm not sure. <laughs> Can I just rant at this one? On, I, there is off. not, there is not point, not, 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 not 1% of my body that thinks that was Hamilton's fault. And I cannot believe I've seen people on social media saying that was Hamilton's fault. I do not understand it at all. Uh, Hamilton has got every right to have his car where it is. He's not doing like a sudden crazy movement or anything. Carlos Sainz has got a bit of a weird line as he kind of comes back on the track because Verstappen kind of, you know, they tried to go side by side through the corner. So Sainz slowing creates this like bottleneck kind of effect, like a domino effect, and they all hit the brakes. Lando, I think, could have maybe dodged out the way, but... How you can blame Hamilton for that, I will never, never know. Absolute no chance. I can't even say that there's 0.01% that I'd blame Hamilton for that. I don't understand it. Well, for those of you that listen to the podcast and love a disagreement, 
You're going to be disappointed because I completely and utterly (laughs) agree. There is not one fibre of my being that thinks that is Hamilton's fault. If Norris is more than halfway alongside Hamilton and he does that, absolutely. Then it's Hamilton's fault because he's squeezing him. But Norris, the only reason there's contact is because Norris just goes, oh, let me just... Let me just shove a nose in here and see what happens, thinking that Hamilton isn't going to come across and he can try and get a good run. That didn't happen. Hamilton, he, he can't expect that to have happened when he's moving his car. So it's a racing incident. I don't think Norris is to, you know, he is more to blame in the sense of why they made contact, but it's not a penalty deserving no, incident or anything from like that. Or anything. No, it's just, it's literally just. It's just unlucky, if it, more than yeah, anything, yeah. I would say. Um, a little bit, I would say, Lando will probably look back at that and regret putting his nose in there. Yeah, I think yeah. it was a risk that wasn't worth it. Um, but but yeah, it, it's that can happen, certainly can't it? not Hamilton's fault by any stretch of the imagination. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Next question. At Icy Josh, is Mercedes back? (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Um... It looks promising. Uh, I, I think, but if we're talking back, as in challenging for second fastest team, maybe Spain has always been the great test when it comes to how well Formula One cars are built, and it usually gives us a reasonable idea as to how quick teams will be as we move into the season with more traditional racetracks. This is the reason why Spain, Catalonia has always been that test track for, for so many years. So it's a very positive sign for Mercedes to have had, have had such a great race, but I don't think they're anywhere near Red Bull. I would love to see them continue to take steps forward and to challenge Red Bull at some point this year, but I very much see that as hopium. That there is yeah. no reason for me to believe that Red Bull will get caught because Max not not only won by that far, but I still think he had some in the locker as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mercedes, uh, Hamilton in the press conference was talking about how the fact that Red Bull is so far ahead that they can already sort of look to next year, whereas Mercedes are learning this brand new concept. I saw actually a couple of uh, Hamilton fans on Twitter um, say this, and I do actually agree with them that while it's amazing that they're going to be buzzing the fact that they've changed their car and it's working, there must be that bit as well in the back of the minds that gone, we've wasted a year and a half with this no side pod concept, and it's just shown that it hasn't worked. I mean, even on the straight, we saw George Russell flying past another car. When do we ever see that? I know we had DRS, but Mercedes were always the car that struggled on the straights and stuff. Uh, and 
while Mercedes will be buzzing that it looks like they're kind of really back in, you know, could challenge an Aston Martin maybe and uh, go for that second in the in the championship and it was a really good result i do think part of them must be like oh i can't believe we've wasted a year and a half with this concept that just hasn't worked because clearly this was the way to go um but another interesting thing that happened in the press conference actually is that hamilton said that he's going to speak to toto about a new contract so clearly he's quite happy that uh with this new concept uh that yeah, he's I mean, just that's gonna pretty much done. done the way in which he said that was like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah we're gonna be building into next year and that's really where our focus is it's like yeah yeah breaking news hamilton stays on for another year i think he'll he'll pro- i reckon he'll sign until the end of 2025 that's that's my yeah, thinking yeah. that's my feeling but we'll see hamilton can have whatever he can have a week-long contract if he really <clears> wants it that's just how uh you you can be when you're lewis hamilton um but he, he seems more positive again um let's see if that well. continues uh through after canada but yeah i i agree as well uh drive of the day and and very much uh deserved deserved that as well um i think russell as well talk about him his first lap surprise there's no questions about this actually his his first lap shenanigans have you watched um, it back because he have, definitely yes. he definitely passed a mclaren because of it and i, I was watching that thinking I was, I was looking at the cars he was around when he decided to bail and he does definitely make up one one place, I'd say, or or he's like alongside him. Anthony Davidson says that he is by maybe a millimeter ahead of that McLaren I mean, when he decides to yeet it across left. Now he had an amazing start, Russell. Like he started on yeah. fresh softs around him. In front of him were were on used softs from qualifying. So that launch he got was unbelievable. And then he just absolutely sent it. I completely think that that should have been a penalty. Like he he very so much. Lucky went through a loophole in the rules of, okay, well, if you go off, you have to go through this little road and make sure you stay left of the, of the, um, the bollards. That's what he did. He came back on track. He passed a McLaren. I mean, you could argue that the move was never made and hence, yeah, that he did pass a McLaren by, by, uh, by corner cutting. Um, but more importantly, I think something as well to that they should and probably will change for next year is that the going off at turns one and two should never ever be as quick as staying on the track even on lap one it should not be as quick it there needs to be more deterrence why is it so close to the track as well it's just look at the lane he used it was basically like a mario kart shortcut wasn't it you just had a to guide him to kind of pass everyone is quite ridiculous, really. Yeah, and, and I'm surprised more, not more drivers did it because Fernando. you essentially get a free pass of not having to deal with all these wheel-to-wheel argy-bargies going around you, and you can just come back on track where you were, which, yeah, I think he was a very lucky boy. Um, but that's not to take away from his performance because I think it was actually really damn good. The pace that he showed, the moves he pulled off, and to finish P3 from 12th on the grid in a Mercedes is pretty is pretty solid going yeah i mean to beat to beat perez when perez started in front of him is uh is very impressive uh yeah good, very good drive from him but very very fortunate that he uh he didn't get a penalty there i think he's he's a lucky boy uh, speaking of perez i think we probably should just mention him um christian horner and nico rosberg had a nice little Little small little ding dong live on Sky. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Tommy. Oh, or no, not, I where, missed um, this. So essentially, 
<laughs> Nico just does Nico not give an F. Yeah. He literally just straight, I think they were talking about Perez and oh, what a great drive it was to P4. Nico just turns around and essentially says, well, do you not think his pace was like pretty terrible at the start? And, you know, he, he, he lost a lot and should have got a podium and yada, yada, yada. And then Christian Horner just turns around and goes, well, you know, you are, you, you are very critical these days. You do love to criticize a lot of drivers when you're not in the car and, and things like that. So it was quite an interesting little, little ding dong, but you make a really good point about George Russell beating Perez and yet Christian Horner, of course, he's, you're going to back your driver unless you're uh, Mr. Rossi, <laughs> Rossi from Alpine yeah. um, that's just slating his drivers for free. But I know that he's going to back his driver, but Russell being able to go from 12th to third and Perez that's in a car that is much quicker than the Mercedes, yeah. not being able to get on that podium, it just it was that first sort of half of the race I would say where he just wasn't making enough ground up quickly enough yeah yeah the fact that they'd started him on the mediums rather than the softs probably didn't help either um because he ended up uh, if I'm not mistaken kind of having that strategy where you think you'd go for a one stop but then he ended up pitting anyway just when everyone else decided to pit uh at the end so he didn't really get that gain of a soft tire at the start like Russell did but it's still uh, certainly not a, a a great look because people will say you're too, we're too critical, uh, but I think Rosberg, you know, has a point really that when you're in a car that's people are complaining that we need to peg the rules back uh, and he's winning by 24 seconds, looking like he's on a Sunday drive, you should be able to get to P2. Like every race for Stappen started at the back, he has finished first or second every single race this year. So. It, it is tough to say that when you start in the middle of the pack, you have to finish second. But the reality is that car is so good, you kind of should. Yeah, and, and Rosberg's had plenty of races when he was driving for Mercedes and it was a ridiculously good car and perhaps he was on the back foot from qualifying. He would make it through to P2 almost every single yeah. time as well, would he yeah, not? Exactly. I mean, I don't know his full stats off by heart. I'm sure someone will go, well, actually, in the Hockenheim <laughs> 2015, he finished P3. Um Question from Game Changer 08. Can you see Verstappen not winning any of the races? I personally feel he can go on a winning streak for the rest of the season. Um, Reliability. There'll be one. There's got to be one. We said the same with the Mercedes era. We said the same with when Vettel was winning at Red Bull. They can't win forever. Watch this get clipped. They can't win forever. There will be a time in this season where something goes wrong. Max makes a mistake. Max has a, a reliability issue. Perhaps Verstappen and Perez, they come together. Who knows? But there will be something that allows for another driver to win this year that doesn't race for Red Bull. Please. Yeah. 17, I think it's 17 out of 18 wins for Red Bull now, uh, which is a long old, long old time. Uh, feels like a lo long time ago that someone could challenge, but yeah, yep. uh, it's just it does. Lewis Hamilton in particular, every time feels like Hamilton finishes second. I know apart from Brazil, but Verstappen's there getting, getting the win. Uh, I think Hamilton, uh, hasn't been there, unfortunately to cap capitalize when Verstappen's had the, the, the bad races, but look, when Verstappen does have an off day or a mechanical failure or something, you've got the likes of Hamilton, Alonso, whatever. They will be sniffing for a win. Uh, and I think what we've seen this year is the likes of 
you know, Hamilton Alonso on, on their day can beat a Perez in a Red Bull um, if Perez isn't right on his A game as well. So there's a chance. There uh, is a chance, we'll but see. it requires Max doing something wrong or his car doing something wrong. Uh, yeah. Question from Vettel Laporte. Zero retirements or yellow flags in two of the last three races. Obviously, these cars are super reliable, but is this new generation of drivers just that much more conservative at wheel-to-wheel than, say, 10 years ago, or are they entirely limited by the cars or a mix of both? Uh, there's obviously, I mean, 10 years ago is only 2013, so it's not. you kind of think that's still the Pirelli era and, and things like that. And that was actually when they had more degradation and well, 2014, wasn't it? Was, that the, was it crazy degradation yeah. 2014? Somewhere around then. Um, it's just reliability. It's reliability. It's cars are bulletproof now, aren't they? Really? The cars are bulletproof. They're wider. I think that drivers have a, more sensibility, if that's a word around them where they just don't go for as many crazy moves. It's they're just not, you know, these cars weigh so much as well. They're not the easiest things to uh, to handle and do crazy things with. So it's a mixture of loads of different variables, in my opinion. It's not just, you know, the zero retirements is obviously down to reliability. Field spread, I think, as well. The new regs, they haven't been working as well this year. The teams are starting to ruin how easy it is to follow again. And that obviously inputs and, and, and makes less rate you know it makes the racing less less close and therefore we don't see as much crazy stuff and i don't know it's it's hard to say why i think that it's uh it's, we're just gonna have to wait and see how it goes for, for the rest of the year and <laughs> and introduce points for the top 15 yeah that that's one thing i will 100 percent agree with i saw your tweet about that and now we've got this bullet bulletproof reliability we need to start uh giving more points out and that's not just me saying it because Yuki Tsunoda keeps getting shafted out of points. Um, but it's funny that uh, this comment says about cons- uh, conservative wheel-to-wheel. You give a, a red flag with two laps to go, we saw what happened in Australia. So <laughs> it's just it's just what it is. Um, yeah. They will go for it and do crazy things when there's the opportunity. But in this race, there wasn't, you know, you've got quite an easy uh, easy overtaking move into into turn one um and a chance to bail out on the runoff if you need to which is exactly what we saw with uh Zhou Guan Yu when when they nearly collided with him and Yuki so uh yeah it's just just the way these cars are and I think they're they're being pushed aren't they to make the cars as reliable as possible and boy are they doing it because we don't we don't see many retirements at all these days if you go back and look at Look at some Wikipedia charts when uh, when I started watching in like the late nineties or even like early two thousands. My word, you used to get drivers retiring. You were lucky if you kind of made the finish about ten races in the year because uh, the cars just blew up. Whereas now uh, it's almost not uncommon to see like one retirement, if that. Yeah, and this absolutely time again. So yeah, um, we'll see how that unfolds and whether we, you know, halve the size of the cars in future years and regulations, and, and then we can see more crazy wheel to wheel. But then at the same time, I was thinking about when you were just chatting. Then I was like, there were some pretty do or die moves into turn one 
today you know there were some amazing moves. awareness i think than uh, they used to back in the day probably. perhaps that yeah maybe their spatial awareness has got better who knows okay we now move to biggest winner Okay, well, I'm going to go for Mercedes. <laughs> oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> okay, if you're going for Mercedes, I will go for... Lance Stroll. Show Guan Yu. Show Guan Yu. Yeah, let, let's go Show Guan Yu. Yeah? I think that was a really good performance. And not just because <laughs> I've picked him later, but no, do genuinely think it was a really, really good performance from him, especially when his teammate was absolutely nowhere. Hey, leave him alone. He had a terrible strategy. Pit after five laps... On fresh softs, no idea what they're doing. Maybe it was a slow puncture. Who knows? But Bottas was absolutely shafted, and it was just two massive stints on hard tires, and he was just ailing around at the back. Mm, fighting he did the same. The too fair. Did he? Four laps later, but still. Interesting. So Joe's the goat. Tire. Fair play. Yeah, Bottas is Joe washed. Is the goat? Okay. Yeah, and I went for Mercedes. Obviously, we've kind of said why they've taken this big step forward. It's funny as well. We we called it, didn't we, Tommy? We said Mercedes are going to be on it this weekend with the new new side pods yeah, and uh they sure we were. absolutely smashed it um okay biggest loser i am gonna say has i don't know <laughs> honestly if you watch the highlights if you just watch that race back you would think it was a double has podium with the amount of overtakes those two drivers made and they finished 15th and 18th. I, they genuinely were pulling off worldies left, right and center. And they're nowhere near the points. Both of them are lapped down. I Shocking. Yeah. I, you're not even exaggerating there. I think we must've seen during that race about 10, 15 overtakes from a Haas, And yet they are at the back. Um, Biggest loser, I will go Norris. I would surely. go for Bottas, but I think I think Norris, just the fact that he threw away such a, a big result uh for McLaren with a with a mistake. He's unfortunate. These things can happen in in turn one, but it's still a mistake. So um yeah, it's gotta be Lando. Okay, let's now reflect on our Thursday predictions. So biggest good surprise. I went for Lancey Poo, little Lance Stroll, P6, picked it up. Yes, Pete Alonso Fernando. decided not to pass his teammate, but uh, it, it, I don't think it had been the easiest thing in the world to pass him anyway. Um, no. But yes, Stroll bounced back from bouncing all over the shop in Monaco to P6. That's got to be a point, big boy. It is. Yeah, there was a little bit at the end, wasn't there, where the gap was coming we down did, and yeah. we were saying in we Twitch. a big argument on Twitch. That if Alonso had got him... Uh, I don't think you'd have had it, but um, I went for Zhou Guan Yu, which was based on vibes and what a what very a good vibes, vibes prediction that was. That was very that vibey. Was one of the best, probably the best driver's career, really. Two points um, in an Alfa Romeo. Yeah, brilliant drive. Well Great done, work, Zhou Guan Yu. both to Zhou and to you, Tommy. Well done, both a point. Go on us. Okay, Look, let's go. Biggest flop. All right, I went for Piastri, who finished. 13th. You can have it because I need to claim it uh, yes, from McLaren you, you, anyway. We, so no, we're we getting said, a point We each. said prior that we were just going <laughs> to... Because, I mean, I, I would say it is reasonably floppy just purely because McLaren were bloody quick in qualifying and you're thinking, yeah. oh, okay, but they were nowhere in the race and, yeah, shocking to watch. So, okay, we'll take a point for, for that. Piastri, lovely. And yours, Tommy? Uh, McLaren, which, uh, yeah, Piastri's teammate... Was an even 
bigger flop in the race. So, yeah, points for okay. that. Okay, a rare points for two picking from two team. for both of us. Here we go. <laughs> and then pole position. We both went for Max Verstappen. Three from three. What are we up to here? Oh. And then both of our top threes were the same. Yeah. So we get one point for that. Four from four. Four from, not four from four. There four was a point where I thought each. we were going to get this nailed on, actually. Verstappen, yeah. Perez, Hamilton. But alas. It should have uh, been, really. Should have been, yeah. But Perez uh, didn't manage it and, and finished fourth. Uh, but yes, Verstappen, Perez, Hamilton is what we both went for. So that's one point each. So we're both on four. And then finally, one crazy prediction. I said Spain is actually good. And I would say Spain was actually good. It's really annoying that I spent uh, the entire start of the podcast having a monologue about how Spain yeah. was good, forgetting that Mate, this was your you prediction. So I can't, I can't, I cannot refuse it uh, now <laughs> after saying that. Um, and yeah, I went for uh, a massive Red Bull margin, but it needed to be absolutely massive. Uh, 39 seconds we were going to give me the points for, and it didn't happen. So yeah, twenty-four. It was only twenty-four second victory. God, what are you playing at, Verstappen? Come on! I know. Well, hey, calm down, Ferrari fan. Leave leave my leave my driver <laughs> alone. All right. To be fair, I think he could have easily won by thirty-nine seconds. I, I really enjoyed that part of the race at the end, where Verstappen wanted to know what fastest lap was, even though he was on two warnings at the time for track limits. Mm. The team told him not to do it, and that there's no point risking it. He ignores everything and just sets the fastest lap. He's just, yeah, he's just playing on easy mode at the moment, isn't he? Uh, it's quite frightening, actually, to think by the end of the year how many wins he could have, where he'll be on the all-time list. Uh, I think saying one more and he matches Senna, which is wild at the age he is. Outrageous. Uh, and could, it's not far-fetched to think that he could be on 50 wins no. by, by the end of the year, which is quite the thought pretty crazy um so that is speaking of thoughts our time to bring up tommy's final thoughts my final thoughts are well done pirelli you avoided me and the mob coming down to your hq and uh with angry pitchforks but um please continue this into the season thank you very much one stop for the canadian grand prix confirmed we absolutely <laughs> yeah, love to probably. see it uh, my final thoughts are yes very interesting well done barcelona for for providing us with some quite difficult to keep up with strategies but that was still uh, a lovely um, sort of unknown for us to keep an eye on whilst verstappen was cruising to a 24 second victory and that is pretty much it. The next post-race podcast will go out probably a day later uh, in a couple of weeks' time because I'm away uh, between Friday and Sunday. I'll be back on Monday hanging because I'm going on a stag do. So look forward to my washed opinions then. And uh, we'll see you very soon for another podcast. Don't worry, lots more content coming your way. F1 to 10 Driver Ratings as a podcast is out tomorrow. The uh, the video will be out on that for that on Tuesday. So we'll see you very soon. Lots of love. Thank you for 100,000 followers on Twitch as well. Absolutely ridiculous. Can't believe how well this is all going. And we love each and every one of you. Thank you for the support. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Get out of that Ferrari shirt now. <laughs> Get out of it. P1 is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.